There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch. Hosted by Greg Kramitsky and Colin Andrews of the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy, Free Lunch will bring listeners the firm's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast with Colin Andrews and today, Blair Howell. Blair, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back, Colin. I guess this is your second or third time on the show. It's my third time, yeah. Third time. So I'm always happy to get the invite back. Well, the other two were so great and we had such great listener response. We decided we got to bring Blair back. So last week, Blair, Greg and I focused on the difference in investment philosophy, strategy, and teaching an old dog new tricks. And this week, the reason that you and I are together is we're kind of changing gears a bit and we're going to focus on this idea or this discussion around, is it better to invest in a TFSA or an RSP because we're, hey, let's face it, we're in a new calendar year. So that's what we're going to do today. And as we get into it, and we are in a new year, and we never want to talk about 2020 ever again, we're focused on 2021 going forward forever. As we get into it, this is the time of year when investors are calling in to do things like put money into their tax-free savings accounts, the TFSA, which Blair, how many times have you heard somebody say TSFA to you? Do you get that one? Yeah, you hear that a lot. I've probably said it too. You? <laughs> but it is <laughs> a T. It is a TFSA. Also, the time of year, because we're in the first 60 days of the calendar year, where you'll get into this a bit more, but RSP contributions can be made. It's also the time of year when people are looking at their RIF withdrawals if they're over 72. We've got RESP contributions, maybe even an RDSP contribution. That's a lot of different acronyms for a lot of different types of accounts. So Blair, why don't you kick us off here and let's talk a little bit about this debate about why people talk about it's better to invest in a TFSA or an RSP or vice versa and which is right for them and which is right for us. Yeah, sure. Well, I thought maybe we we kind of talk about, I mean, both RSP and TFSAs, there's a lot of benefits to both of them. They both offer tax-free growth. They can hold a variety of investments inside. So, I mean, you're not just buying a savings account. I mean, you can really hold the same investments in both a a tax-free savings account and an RSP. And what you use them for, I mean, both of them, usually retirement savings, obviously for an RSP, but you have the option for younger people, for a first-time homebuyer's plan, taking money out of for that, for maybe people a little further in their career, maybe for future education, you have the option for that. That's for the RSP. And a tax-free savings account can be used for the same thing. It's become a very flexible type account where it can be used for retirement savings or just maybe for other goals along the way. So, But people shouldn't use their TFSA as a bank account, right? Yeah. I mean, it was never designed for that. The government put it in to... Essentially, it was brought in because Canadians were not saving enough for retirement. So it was an extra type of vehicle for people to put money away. I remember, I'm sure you do, when it first came out, and I think it was $5,000. And everybody's like, well, what good is that? And every year that contribution room goes up and you never lose it. And suddenly you're close to $70,000 a year for TFSA contributions. And suddenly now it's 
in the last few years, it's been on a lot of people's radar. So I think though you said $70,000 a year, you mean $70,000 like in lifetime contributions? Lifetime contributions. Right. Sorry. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> for correcting me. But yeah, it'd be a pretty popular account for 70000 a year. <laughs> but yeah, it shouldn't be used as a checking account, kind of money in, money out. Not to get too off topic, but especially some people use it as a day trading account and CRA has a bit of an issue with that. So it should be used for kind of longer term savings or a particular goal. So let me ask you this though, Blair, a lot of people have come in and, you know, you say to them, do you have a tax-free savings account? And they say, yeah, I got one over at the bank. And you say, well, what do you have invested in it? And they say things like, well, I have a tax-free savings account. So there's like a misunderstanding of what a tax-free savings account is. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. Like it's not a product per se. It's not. And we've heard it too for the RSPs. I remember years and years ago, I won't say how long ago to date us, but working at the bank and people, I just want to buy an RSP. Okay. Well, let's talk about your options. No, no. I just want to buy an RSP. So kind of goes with the tax-free savings account. So essentially a tax-free savings account is a type of registered vehicle that you can contribute every year you get since this year it's six thousand dollars for the year that you can contribute put money into it that contribution room never goes away the thing to keep in mind though is that six thousand dollars is after tax so if you compare it to an rsp where if you contribute it's before tax this money is you've already paid tax so anything you put in is just kind of after ebitda is it <laughs> Yeah, we won't get into EBITDA today. <laughs> no, that's like two podcasts. <laughs> Most of the growth in the tax-free savings account is tax-free. There's some foreign tax that you may find on it. So it's maybe not quite as efficient as an RSP. For instance, the United States does not recognize it as a registered vehicle. So no U.S. Filter. citizens are actually encouraged not to have a tax-free savings account. Exactly. Because the U.S. sees through it. They don't recognize the trust structure, I think is the correct terminology. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Geez, look, I got something right. You're the subject matter expert in this, but I got something right. So I got to call that out. (laughs) It's something that's important. A lot of people who either relocate to the US or have that kind of legacy US position, these type of things could be all of a sudden tax year comes up and they put all this money in a tax-free savings account and suddenly it becomes an issue because then it's no different than an unregistered. The thing about tax-free savings account that we love and why it's such a flexible account is not only kind of that money you can put in and that it grows tax-free is that, especially for emergencies or short term, is you can take that money out during the calendar year if you need it. And there's no tax consequences to take it out. It's not like an RSP where there's a withholding tax on it. If you remember in an RSP, kind of comparing the two, you know, an RSP is pre-tax money. So you're deferring it. You're kicking the can down the road and you will pay tax on it, but further in the road, they both grow tax-free. But at the end of the day, when you pull money out of an RSP or when you convert it to a RIF, it automatically will have usually withholding tax or it will be taxed on that money. And then whatever your marginal tax rate is for that year or tax-free savings account, everything comes out tax-free and you can use it. And the great thing about it is whereas RSP, any money you take out, that contribution room is gone. Just for the listener's benefit. So in the TFSA, so let's say you put in, I don't know, $10,000 at some point and it grew to, over time, of course, it grew to like $100,000. So you could take out the whole $100,000 tax-free and then 
you could recontribute the whole $100,000 back into your tax-free savings account the following year or any year after. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. But in an RSP, it's different where you take out that, I don't know, we'll use the same numbers, that $100,000. Now that's treated as income. So you're taxed on it and you can't recontribute it. Exactly. Geez, that's point number two. I got to call it as point number two. I got right. You don't even need me here. I can just, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, you're bang on the tax-free savings account is so flexible that way in terms of taking that money out, getting that contribution room back. Because from time to time, you may need maybe a loss of income or something, your roof blows off and you need that emergency funds. And in the past, people have tapped into their RSPs, which has tax consequences, but emergencies, emergencies. But for those who do have substantial tax-free savings account, it's before retirement, it's great for that. It's something that you can put the money back in. So yeah, I mean, it's a lot of benefits to it. What's the difference, Blair, between the contribution in a TFSA and the contribution in an RRSP? In terms of the value? Yeah, the dollar amounts and things like that. Well, that's where an RSP, I think for at least higher income, middle income Canadians makes more sense is because contribution is on an RSP is 18% of earned income up to a maximum. So the year that will not be named last year, the RSP maximum is 27,230. So, I mean, that's a little more savings than $6,000 a year. But you have to be earning quite a bit in order for your 18% of your income to be $27,000. You have to be earning quite a bit of income. (laughs) Yeah. So is that really the argument that people say, so let's say in the lower tax brackets, but what's the point of having an RSP if I can just put it in a TFSA? Is that where you're going? Well, it is. The numbers are the numbers. If you're making less than probably the average Canadian, I think that number, if I'm not mistaken, is around $76,000 a year for, sorry, that's for the household. So let's say you're making $50,000 a year. So you're probably kind of on the lower end of income. An RSP may not make sense to a tax-free savings account because you may not be able to put more than five or $6,000 a year. And the chances are is when you come out of retirement, your marginal tax rate is going to be the same on it as well. So it may not just on a tax purpose make much sense. So for lower income Canadians, tax-free savings account probably makes way more sense than an RSP. Plus, not to generalize, but if you're kind of on that lower income scale, when you retire, you're probably going to rely more on government benefits, old age security, government Mm -hmm. income supplement. And these are affected by your overall earned income. So if you're pulling money out of a tax-free savings account, it will not affect your income. Whereas if you're pulling money out of an RSP or RIF, it will increase your income. So for kind of those lower income Canadians, a tax-free savings account will probably make a little more sense. But as we've said, I think in past episode, every time we talk, the most important question when deciding, should I put money in a tax-free savings account or an RSP is what's the money for? And, and probably to have a bit of a plan. So wait a minute, you're going to default to planning as the foundation of (laughs) financial success? Well, usually the ad hoc advice you get from a relative or somebody at a friend is usually good enough, but sometimes having a plan that's really specific to your personal income, goals, needs, risk tolerance, it can come in a bit handy. Cause I mean, that's, that's something that why this is brought up when people say, well, it's better a TFSA RSP. And so 
we've had clients who said, so-and-so told me I should never put money in RSP, should put it in a tax-free savings account. Oh, well, do they know your income? Do they know your goals? Do they know how much you're saving? Do they know when you want to retire? No, they're just spouting off. I've gone through this recently with somebody who said that they were told by a family member not to put money into an RSP because of all the tax you'd have to pay later. And I guess it kind of makes sense, but there was two parts of that. Number one, and I know we're going to get into this in a webinar we're hosting next week in more detail, but in both accounts, the TFSA and the RSP, isn't it true that if you have a spouse situation, if one passes away, the accounts roll over to the surviving spouse tax-free in their lifetime? Is that right? That's correct. So the argument this person put forward was, yeah, but when I die, all of my RSP is going to be taxed by the government. I got to tell you, my point is, that's like, first of all, decades away. So you've got decades of tax-free growth, and there will be some tax collected by the government when you're dead. So I don't know, do you care? (laughs) I mean, I I suppose you do. Like, I'm not trying to make light of it, but that part I don't quite understand the logic is like, so you're telling me we're going to get tax-free growth for decades. When we start pulling it out, we're going to have to pay a bit of tax because it's income. And then upon death, the estate is taxed on the however much is left in the RSP or the RIF account. Well, I mean, you're going to have to pay tax on it at some point in time. And remember, when you turn and kind of getting ahead, when that RSP, when you convert it to a RIF, you're not taking the whole thing out. And there's strategies that a lot of our clients we implement where we may not wait till 72 to convert it to a RIF and take out the minimum because it's based on a percentage that CRA has placed. So you could take it out earlier, start draining the RSP a little bit earlier to get those lower minimums and offset the tax. So it's not like you're taking it out. I mean, the whole idea and what we usually say is if you are kind of a mid kind of average Canadian or making a little more money than the Canadian, would you rather pay tax today or 20 years down the road? Do you think right now your income is especially people in their 40s or 50s where they're starting to make their kind of prime earning years. Do you think you're going to need that much income when you're 70 or your marginal tax rate will be that high when you're 70 or 80? Probably not. And the numbers are clear. If your tax rate is higher now than in retirement and RSP with the exception of, well, no exceptions will always make more sense than a tax-free savings account because it could be substantial. It could be 20% tax that you're kicking down the road or may not having to pay. So again, it depends on the individual. And that's part of planning too, is that a state plan? Well, what if I die and the government gets all my money? Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're giving the money just ahead of time now with the tax-free savings account. Plus you're never going to be able to, most likely just using a tax-free savings account unless you have a pension which we can talk about or something through work or other means of income, you're probably not going to save enough to really retire off of long-term. Again, it depending on what your retirement looks like, because I know you and I have talked about this in the past and past episodes is the different in planning, the different layers of income. So getting back to the question, TFSA, RRSP, which is right for me, which is a question we get, And what I'm hearing here is that, well, probably both. 
and that they're different layers, just like you have government benefits that are going to kick in at different years and possibly a company pension or something is just another layer. Is that right? That's exactly it. It always comes back to that. What's right for me? Well, it depends. So if you're fortunate enough to be able to contribute both to an RSP, a perfect world, you have a bit of a pension at work that takes up some of that RSP contribution room. Then you can top up your RSP, your own personal, and then have money for a tax-free savings account. You get options, especially going in retirement, where you're pulling money from, what you do. And we work with all our clients and kind of coming up with strategies way ahead of time, not at, I'm retiring next week. Well, let's find out where we're pulling money from. (laughs) Usually we're thinking 10, 15 years ahead of what do we want to do? Spousal RSPs, what's a tax-free savings account going to be used for? Where do we see that money coming out and always reviewing those? Look, we're sort of just talking in general here. The point is there's a lot of complexity to this because we're talking about just TFSA and RSPs, but we can get into LIFs, defined benefit pension plan contributions, defined contribution plans, even for those Canadians that are in the high net worth, high income status, I mean, you could have individual pension plans. You could have, there's all kinds of different strategies to use. Now, Blair, last week when Greg and I were talking about investment philosophy, we were talking about how strategically you probably want to hold certain assets in certain accounts because of the tax status. And you've been talking a bit about tax here. So when you're sort of talking to a client and they say the question, should I have an RSP or a TFSA? Do you ever find yourself talking about how, I don't know, different investments fit in better to different accounts? Yeah. I mean, we do have that conversation. It's important, whether it's a non-registered, a tax-free, an RSP. We obviously are discretionary licensed. We have model portfolios, but we talk about, well, bonds probably work better in an RSP. Why? tax efficiency, bonds are paying out regular income. So you're taxed at whatever marginal tax rate. And Canadian dividends, capital gains are a little more, especially Canadian dividends are taxed at a preferential rate. So they might make more sense in a tax-free savings account. I know we've talked about it before. We always say, and I've said to every one of my clients, tax always comes second to a good investment because you don't pay tax if you're losing money. So first things first is does this investment make sense for you? Is it going to help us reach our goals? And then we start placing it in the proper investment vehicles for you. And sometimes we do our best to be as tax efficient as possible and using the status. So obviously, if you're holding US assets or US citizen, tax-free savings account may not make as much sense as an RSP. And so we try to arrange the holdings accordingly. And if they're all going for the same goal in terms of retirement, then it's important to kind of set it up that way. Now for the tax-free savings account, anybody over 18 can open one, correct? That's correct. If you're not able to contribute to a tax-free savings account in any year, you can carry forward that contribution room into other years. Is that also right? That's correct. And I am on a roll today. Okay. So then hypothetically, When you're 18, look, when I was 18, I didn't have $6,000 kicking around that I could just put into a tax-free savings account. I mean, but, and most people don't, but as they get into their careers and post after education, they can fund that tax-free savings account from all those missed years. But so then that can go over your whole lifetime. In theory, you can keep contributing your whole lifetime in theory. 
That's correct. Yep. So then tell the listeners how that differs from an RSP as far as like how many years you can contribute to. Does it still start at 18? Yeah. An RSP is based on earned income. So you can still every year. So if you don't contribute to an RSP, let's say you're right out of high school and you get your job and you earn $20,000 that year, that money is still going towards your RSP contribution. And that money does go forward every year. So you can have, and we've had clients who didn't save early, but were making money. And suddenly they have an RSP contribution room of $40,000. In that sense, an RSP and tax-free are the same where you can kind of accumulate this contribution room from past years. The main difference, which we touched on before, is once you use up that contribution room, it's used up on an RSP. On a tax-free savings account, you can take money out and you get that contribution room back. That's kind of the main things is they do both accumulate over time based on earned income, but the tax-free savings account is a set amount every year that I would have to have it in front of me, but it went 5,000, 5,000, then 5,500. One year it was 10,000. So let's say you're 18 when it started and you didn't contribute, you have all that room. So it's a set amount. An RSP is not a set amount. It's based on what you earned in income that year. So if you had a couple of years that you didn't work, there's no contribution room to carry forward. And with the RSP though, there's a certain age that triggers a change where the RSP has to be converted to a RIF or cashed out. That's correct. So at age 71, you have to convert your RSP to a registered retirement income fund. So then it becomes, instead of this vehicle that you're putting money in, it now becomes a vehicle that you're taking money out. So there is kind of that long-term, eventually I'm going to take money out and I'm not going to be able to contribute anymore at age 72 into my RSP, where the tax-free savings account just keeps going. And then the third bucket that we're not talking about at all, or we've very briefly, is let's say you have somebody who's fully funded their TFSA, not TSFA, their TFSA. They've made all of their RSP contributions. They're all caught up. They've maybe done spousal RSP contributions, which we won't get into too much today. But And they say, look, I still have this extra money. What do I do with it? Where does that go? Well, I mean, we always do non-registered accounts. So you can still save for retirement in a non-registered vehicle, meaning you don't have the same tax deferral or tax shelter as a TFSA, but we're investment managers here. So we do our best to, and again, what we just talked about before is you still want to save. It's part of your goal. We just want to take into account that tax in the non-registered, putting money away, knowing that there is no tax shelter, and then rearranging the portfolio for the most tax efficient investments stay outside of the vehicles and the least tax efficient stay inside the registered vehicle. So again, it's based on your goal. I have a pension, let's say at work and it's great and it takes up almost all my RSP. So with us, but I still have just, I'm a higher net worth client. I make a lot of money. So that means in retirement, probably need to continue on this lifestyle. So I need to save X amount. So my RSPs are topped up. I now have the luxury of topping up my tax free, but I'm still going to be short on my goals. So let's look at non-registered money. Okay. Well, listen, we won't be able to get into all of it today because I don't want to downplay it. Like it's complex as we talked about, like the different accounts, the different strategies for each account, the different contribution and withdrawal limits and rules. You mentioned earlier, like home buyer's plan and 
an education plan that you can fund from an RSP, like, and all of that comes back to the plan that you mentioned. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody's different and it's the little tweaks. It's those incremental changes that you have that's specific to your needs that are going to be very beneficial long-term. Because again, it's not just, well, I got some money, I'm going to dump it in here. What are you saving the money for? Are you going to need it in two years? Are you going to need it in 20 years? Are we going to put more money in? What happens in 20 years when we pull that money out? What's that going to look like? So it all comes back to, it's not RSP versus tax-free savings account. Ideally, it's both a little bit of each. And the non-registered too. It's like three. The other thing that we haven't talked about today is I've run into this a few times over the years where somebody has, they've been diligent savers. They've put all of their money into RSPs. They've built up their RSP. Let's say they have a million dollars in an RSP. They do not have a pension. They do not have a tax-free savings account and they do not have a non-registered account. They put everything into their RSP. Now they're 72 and they're starting to live off of that RSP, but that million dollars isn't worth a million dollars when you have to pull it out. No, I mean, it's, I probably should have this number off the top of my head, but it's around five and a half percent. You have to pull out at the start at age 72 out of that million dollars. So that's going to suddenly put you in a pretty substantial tax bracket. So your tax is going to be high. You may not now have access to your old age security could get clawed back. So that money could be. So let's say you are that. Your only thing you have is a million dollars. And not to kind of get too much off topic, but it's- Wait, wait, wait. Poor you. You only have a million dollars, right? I know. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, a a lot of people would like to have that tax headache. (laughs) Yeah, I'll take that over. But it's important of planning ahead of time. So let's say this person now, we know that's going to happen at age 60. This is your only vehicle. In terms of income, you're going to have to start taking money out and living on it. But let's say at age 65, and this is just an example. So this is nobody specific, but there are, if you don't have a pension, there's still a pension tax credit you can access between the ages of 65 and 70. So why not start taking some of the RSP out at at that time and then offset that? So you take it out of the RIF or the RSP. So you will have to pay some tax, but you can offset it. So there's a bit of a strategy to start taking. You may not need that money, but it'll lower your the money you take out at 72. And if you don't need that money, then you roll it into your all that contributionary room you have in your tax-free savings account. And suddenly you're 72 and now you have a tax-free savings account with some money in it. Your overall portfolio is a little bit lower, so you're not going to pay as much taxes, but or sorry, not your RIF portfolio is a little bit lower, but your overall portfolio is the same size. So that's just kind of just, I hope nobody's just like, I'm going to do that because everybody's different. But it's one of the strategies of thinking ahead of kind of looking 10 years down the road of, well, this is going to become a problem. How can I solve it ahead of time? Well, and I like the way you summed it up earlier. It depends. It depends on your situation and the planning you've done. So look, I think we're running out of time for today, but maybe is there any last bit of advice that you have to answer that question? And I'm kind of setting it up for you here, but should I have a TFSA or an RSP or both, or what should I do? In general, what would be your advice? Start with a plan. My advice is not the YouTube, this is what you should do because I don't know who you are. Talk to your advisor, talk to us. That's what we're here for is to find out what works best for you. 
Right on. Hey, listen, for fun, I like to finish off these segments with something fun. What are you and your family doing for fun these days? You reading anything, watching anything, doing anything? What are you up to? Well, as you know, I have a a couple of young kids. So over Christmas break and even now, I mean, we're out at the outdoor rinks. The weather has been perfect for out skating or tobogganing and kind of get the kids out of the house. Wait, wait, you haven't been arrested at an outdoor rink though? Not yet. Okay. Okay. Just checking. All right. (laughs) And then, yeah, for watching things again, my TV, I think is dominated by the kids. So we watch a lot at Disney plus the Mandalorian. Did you watch soul on Disney plus? We did watch soul. That's a great show. I loved it. We watched it. Yeah. When it came out, my family is big Disney Pixar people. So not disappointing. And I was pleasantly well, not pleasantly surprised. I don't think I was surprised, but I really enjoyed it. This is a little off topic and I'm probably taking too much time, but you and I both know somebody from the town that I grew up in, Saskatoon. And they were such big Star Wars fans, which is owned by Disney, of course, now, which is the Mandalorian to which you're referencing. But do you remember what they named their son and daughter? Do you remember this? this is it true? I don't know if you remember this. They had a son. They named their son Luke, and they had a daughter and named her Leia. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which probably was like, I don't know, a really, they thought this is a great thing at the time. I just want to check in with those kids as they're teenagers now and how they enjoy being Luke and Leia during that time when Star Wars has found a revitalization. Well, that's just it. It's now as popular as when we were kids. And yeah, those type of names. And you're probably in the same boat. We have a lot of friends name their kids Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that name was kind of popular through a certain time. And, but I mean, that's, yeah, kind of getting back. That's really in terms of reading. Yeah. I read a book called The Piece of the Action. Piece of the Action. What's that about? It's kind of a history of our industry. It's really about, and it's in the US, it's based on the US, but it can be converted to Canadian and just, it's really the middle class coming into their own. So based on, starts in 1957 with the first credit card, the first bank credit card drop in the United States and just the movement of money from savings accounts and that into investments the emergence of funds and advisors and the banking system all up until the 80s and 90s. So it's a great read. I mean, for us, it- I'll have to look for that one. That sounds good. I'll even lend it to you. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I hope you'll, down. yeah, you'll disinfect it first, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, listen, let's wrap it up there for today. Blair, thank you for coming on the show, being the subject matter expert on all things planning related. Really appreciate that. And just a reminder, or to those that don't know, Blair and I will be doing a webinar on January 28th, where we will be digging into a little bit deeper about TFSA, RRSP, RIFs, all the stuff that we kind of went through today. So if anybody's interested in attending that webinar, please let us know and we will send you a link. And with that, I got to say thanks, Blair, and thanks for joining us on the Free Lunch Podcast. Thank you, Colin. This was fun. It was fun. And make sure, anybody that's listening, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your feedback. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. 
To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth Management are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Wood Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth Management consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth Management is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kraminski are investment advisors with CIBC Wood Gundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc. 2020.